Welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast, leading the way in the business of medicine. Now here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello everyone, and welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast. I'm your host, Terry Fletcher. The EDGE podcast is brought to you today by the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants. Our goal is to discuss healthy business principles, have conversations on the business side of medicine, so that you and your practice can thrive and be profitable and successful for years to come. As many of you know, the NSCHBC is a proactive organization with over 300 members, including legacy members that share their wealth of knowledge and expertise, whether it be in the legal field, the accounting field, the revenue cycle management field, the business management field, value-based care, and more. We have every kind of consultant that focuses on the healthcare industry you could want. So for this episode, I'm happy to welcome back NSCHBC member, healthcare consultant and attorney, Amanda Weish of BMD. Welcome back to the podcast, Amanda. Thank you so much, Terry. It is great to be back in 2024. Yeah, happy new year too. I think we can still say that we're only close to that. So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. The whole month we can say happy new year. Say happy new year. So, this leads me into our podcast topic today. I'm really happy to have. Uh, an attorney on on the podcast because I know we've got a legal and business management field topic and, and it also has, has definitely been impacting healthcare and that's when we talk about non-competes and, and those contracts and uh, what that means and just prefacing it. Now, I'm not an attorney and I think our listeners know that. I'm, I'm a consultant, but I'm more on the financial revenue cycle management end, but I still have clients that come to me and say, okay, who do I deal with this for? Because I hear this phrase a lot in law firms and, you know, a lot of, and also in, in practices where they say, well, they're trying to take my clients or my patients with them, but how does it also apply in medical and dental industries? That's a great question, Terry. And I think, you know, what you're getting at is let's define what a non-compete is, right? Because there's lots of different restrictive covenants that could be in a contract but we're talking about one type of restrictive covenant right now called the non-compete. And the non-compete is a, is a type of restrictive covenant. It's a contractual agreement between the employer and the employee that would prohibit the employee from starting a competing business or from working either as an employee or a contractor for a competing business. And when we look at non-competes, we look at the geographic scope, so typically defined in like a radius of mileage. It could also be by county, and I've seen them also by even streets, right? And then we're also looking at a particular time period, six months, 12 months, 24 months. So that's what we're talking about is a non-compete that would restrict the employee from opening a competing business or working for a competing business within a certain time period after their employment ends or and within a certain geographic scope. So I, I would think that it would get very tricky when you deal with healthcare versus what, like what I was mentioning in law firms, because let's say, for example, a hospital might contract with an independent contractor physician for professional services and then ask that physician to agree to not provide similar services elsewhere. But you mentioned geographic location. I'm sure they're meaning within a certain rate mile radius so that, you know, they're not pulling their patient population away from them. Correct. That's right. That's right, Terry. Um, and, and it's interesting when we talk about a non-compete agreement, we're typically talking about an employer employee 
relationship. Okay. It's going to be state specific, whether it can apply to an independent contractor. So if that, if that physician is a 1099, some states will allow uh, non-competes for independent contractors. For example, Florida is one of them. Other states will not. It only allows the the non-compete in an employment relationship where that person is a W-2. And so the purpose of the restrictive covenant of the non-compete is to protect the legitimate business interests of the employer, but only to the extent that it doesn't infringe upon the right of the employee to continue to work. And so when we look at a non-compete, we have to look at is it reasonable in geographic scope and time where we balance the legitimate business interests of the employer versus the employee's right and ability to have gainful employment? So so here's a question, and, and this is and this could be my naivety in, in the topic, because again, because since I'm not in the legal profession, but it seems like there, there's a little bit of a disconnect only because how this relates to healthcare for me anyway, because I could see this could be especially problematic for residents, fellows and, and young physicians, because it could limit their opportunities for career advancement, restricting their ability to provide care in, let's say, economically or socially marginalized communities. But in saying that, um, I, I feel like what if you what if a patient just likes the doctor better than the one they were existing with and you had a non-compete where does that mean that they have to tell the patient, I, I can't see you because I'm not allowed? I, I love I, I love what you're bringing up, um, Terry, because I gave a very uh, black and white legal definition to a non-compete, right? Yeah. And then the reason why non-competes are such a hot topic is for all of the socioeconomic you know, issues that you just brought up. Plus, hey, what about, we, we talk about employer and employee rights. What about patient rights? Yeah. The patient's right to choose. Um, you know, patients typically don't go to a provider because they like their marketing material or, <laughs> exactly. right? or, or, it, or they like their name, right? Um, I go to my healthcare provider because I like the provider. I like the relationship that I enjoy with the provider. And oftentimes that gets lost when we talk about these non-competes and the enforcement of these non-competes. And it's with these proposed rules that we're starting to have that conversation and then also bringing up all these other, you know, issues that, that you're identifying is, well, what about the younger physicians that are just starting out and they buy their first home and now they have to leave? Right. Yeah, they had well, to pick up their they had to pick up their family and move. And yeah. and yeah. Well, another thing that, that kind of comes to mind and this just kind of came in, you know, concerns to me about non-competes. What about uh, this seems like this would have really hit home for you as far as you probably never thought you're ever going to be able to retire is during COVID and the pandemic. So physicians mm -hmm. advocating for healthcare worker safety. I know some were threatened with termination and because of non-compete causes clauses that could have meant months or years of unemployment or geographic relocation because of having to kind of stay put as other, you know, um, because of the shortages, other people were coming in and then they couldn't go out. I mean, the, it seems like there's a lot of intricacies to a non-compete that it, it doesn't seem like it's just at the like, uh, for example, let me backtrack a little bit. So let's say in your law firm, 
um, you you know you have you have quite a few lawyers and they were signed they signed non competes and I'm again hypothetically let's say they did and it's because you don't want them taking clients I'm assuming well to me it's different to take a client that I'm not saying every attorney has the same is is just as good as an attorney attorney but there's not that healthcare issue there's not that you know continuity of care issue there's not a patient safety issue as, as it would be as a lawyer just taking you know clients versus a doctor continuing with the patient care and maybe I'm I have blinders on there when we're because I'm you know all healthcare but I I'm just thinking that non-compete seems so generic and it seems to be it has to be really more specific to the entity and to the I guess the not the population but I guess the the working whatever you're working for am, am I off track here or it, it seems kind of interesting no, Terry, you are uh, you you're you're right on point, and that is why we. It's not a black and white issue. It's it's going to be gray forever. Uh, if you if you go to us, if you so we'll take Ohio, because um, that we we are a state where non competes are alive and well, but we don't have a statute. Okay. So uh, you go to Florida, Florida has a statute that says non-competes are alive and well, and here is what's reasonable uh, versus California that says we're doing away with non-competes, yeah, right? So regardless we, you, of where it was signed, it's not enforceable here. Yeah. It's not enforceable. Um, so in Ohio, it, it's really going to depend on, and I hate to say this, it's it's the judge or tribunal that is hearing all of these different factors that you've brought up. And I've had cases where we've had ER physicians and enforcing a non-compete and the, and the judge has up, upheld it. And then we've had cases where there's been a hand surgeon that has a particular subspecialty where the non-compete hasn't been held up. And, right. and it's it, it seems like it's it, they're conflicting decisions in, in courts that are very close to each other. But it's about the facts that the attorneys for either side bring before the judge or before the tribunal. You know, it's And funny. it's all about patient access, really. Well, and it's funny you, how you're explaining this. Um, I was recently on a roundtable discussion with Sean Weiss and all of our compadres that are on that podcast. And we were kind of talking about this new code that's come out with Medicare. It's an add-on code for uh, complexity and, or serious condition to a, an office visit with a patient. And we were trying, and I was trying to explain to people that you know, because people want to auto automatically add it on. And I'm like, you can't automatically add it on. Since 2021, the rules have changed for, you know, evaluation management services where it has to be about the patient today. And just coming back to this topic of non-competes, it, it seems like everything in healthcare is, is moving away from that uh, generic drop-down screen, you know, electronic mm -hmm. medical record template. And now in the non-compete sense, it, it's, it can't be generic. It's not one size fits all. It's based on the circumstance, the physician specialty, the the physician situation, and probably their patient population to be able to argue their their case of having to uh, deal with the non-compete. Does is, is that seem like what you're dealing with? Absolutely. I always, always, always talk about non-competes when I'm writing or reviewing employment agreements. So oftentimes I'm I'm writing employment agreements on behalf of the employer. And but I'll have a conversation with them and say don't just tell me 25 miles 2 years. Yeah. Because right? Because 
25 miles in Ohio, rural Ohio means you're, you're moving, you're, you're asking your employee to pick up and move and you're going to be really hard to recruit someone, right. And agree to a 25 mile two year, but in Florida, um, you know, that may be acceptable given, you know, given if they're in South Florida, right. And it's a highly populated area and they can, there is going to be some place that they can go within the 25 miles, two years, or maybe because it's so densely populated, it should be 10 miles one year. Um, I have a concierge, uh, I have a couple of concierge practices, but I have one in particular that is so smart about their non-compete. And they say, listen, if you want to opt back into Medicare, and not be a pure concierge cash only doc. I don't care where you go. Just don't be across the street from me. So their non-compete is it's it's a mile. It's a one mile square radius. But in terms of concierge, if you're going to open up a competing concierge practice or work for a competing concierge, then it, it's a 15 mile radius. So they've thought really carefully about what is my legitimate business interest that I'm trying to protect but then also realizing that this employee, if, if things don't work out, uh, they probably bought a house and they don't want to move move their family. Their kids are going, they're established in school. They've got friends. So when you sit down with the employer and you really think about it um, and cleverly draft it, I think that that's when you, you really have hit the nail on the head, right? And balancing the legitimate business interests you're trying to protect, but then also making sure that you're not asking everything of the employee. And, and then when I review the contracts on behalf of the employee, I talk about, well, if this isn't, if this doesn't work out, what are your options? And let's talk about what your options are based on how this is written. And if, and, that, and that's, I will tell you that non-competes will sometimes kill a deal versus uh, a salary, a base salary or a bonus structure because people want to have options and they don't want to have to uproot their family and their kids, have their spouses change jobs. The non-compete will oftentimes kill the deal. Well, it's interesting because I was reading the AMA Code of Ethics and it says, and just as real quick, I'll quote, it says, covenants not, not to compete restrict competition can disrupt continuity of care and may limit access to care. And that I get. I mean, that that seems to be the the common sense understanding of why a physician and patient should have options. But now, as we've been, you know, going back and forth, I think the the other thing I was thinking of as an, you know, if you're an employer, you also don't want somebody to take your business. And you know, that's right. Coming in, you're helping to train them. You're helping them get them, you know, situated and in the community and learn from you and you know, you're, you're kind of building them up, helping them to build a practice. And then all of a sudden, you know, six months, a year later, they're like, this has been great, but I'm going and I'm taking my patients with me. How does that work? I mean, and it sounds like it's also state to state. It's not federal, correct? That's right. Now the FTC has, and the FTC stands for the Federal Trade Commission. They issued proposed rules in January of 2023 that would put a nationwide ban on employer's use of non-competes. So we've got that kind of lingering out there. We're, we're hoping to see something maybe first, end of first quarter, beginning of second quarter of 2024, but we really don't know what that's going to look like. So right now it is state specific. And we know that if the FTC issues a federal ban, 
states could issue more specific regulation that goes above and beyond that. And then we also know that the federal rules are probably going to be tied up in litigation no matter what happens, right? We'll, we'll see a litigation around that. Um, so we could have some unsettled law. Um, and so to your point, Terry, it's what is the employer worried about? Yeah. Are they worried about, right? Somebody coming in and cannibalizing their practice, um, somebody coming in and setting up shop right across the street, um, showing them all their know-how and then them taking it, you know, what is the real concern and what are we trying to protect? And that's why maybe we, we talk about other restrictive covenants, not just the non-compete because the non-compete may not be accomplishing everything that the employer is trying to protect. So one of my, one of my, um, biggest things that I like to talk about are liquidated damages. You know, what are my sunken costs as an employer? I have to recruit you. You're going to have three months of no pay, slow pay. I got to credential you, malpractice. I got to hire an MA, you know, so there's some sunken costs that takes me a while to recoup. If you leave before a year is up or two years are up, I don't recoup my costs we could include a liquidated damages clause, right? And maybe you don't care where that person goes. Um, but is that what we're worried about? Or are we worried about our client lists, our patient lists? Those are trade secrets. We we need a trade secret confidentiality provision where they where the employee is not able to take those trade secrets. Policies, data, patient information, contact lists. We control the narrative. We control the communication when a when a physician leaves. We, you know, the 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 employer controls that. Um, now, patients always have a right to pick their physician, right? And yeah. to con- it, that's their relationship. So we can tell the person if they ask for contact information. Um, we should give it. And in most states, I think they're recognizing the right to that. Um, but if they want copies of their medical records, right, they may have to pay for them. Um, you know, so, so it's basically just, it's, yeah. it's t- trying to avoid the solicitation of taking things away by the, by the physician that would be leaving, if you will. So, okay. that And see, that makes sense. You know, put safeguards in for, you know, it, at the beginning, if you're going to leave, then this is, this is what we expect. It's just, a, it seems like it's almost a matter of respect between the two entities. This is, you know, we're, like you said, I like the one that said, don't open up across the street if you're going to, you know, take insurance because there's enough piece of the pie for everybody. But if you're going to do a cash only concierge, well, you know, you got to go 10, 15 miles out because that's a certain patient population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that I, yeah, it depends on the facts and circumstances. I, I had an urgent care actually in um, California. This is, this was before non-competes were banned. And the employer said to me, don't include a non-compete. I could care less if they go across the street. There's enough patients walking in it urgent cares for everyone. <laughs> they were so honest, right? About this is the nature of my business. The the population in Southern California is exploding and you could have an urgent care facility on every corner and it's not enough. Yeah. So I am not going to, I'm not going to tie my employees up with the non-compete and miss out on, you know, recruiting someone really great, really fantastic. And they were very honest with themselves. And I, 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 that was, you know, so I encourage consultants and employee and and attorneys to have 
those honest conversations with the employers and say, okay, what are you really trying to protect? Well, and you do you agree that, and then this is obviously, it's, it's hard to ask an attorney, do you agree you should use an attorney? But my question is, <laughs> <laughs> that seems kind of funny, like, you know, asking a mouse, do you like the cheese? No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but it, it, you know, it seems like there's actually not just state-specific information, but there are some legalities here that if a practice tried to take this on themselves without having legal backup, it could backfire. So what is your response as far as your recommendation as far as making sure that it does have legal, you know, legal eyes on it before they execute it. Absolutely. It should have legal eyes. Um, because it is right now state specific. I'll give you another state, Texas. If for a non-compete involving a physician contract in Texas, if you don't have specific provisions, it is void as a matter of law. It is not enforceable at all. So, and it has to include an option for the physician to buy out the non-compete, have a right to access patient records. There's a whole list of things that has to be written into the non-compete or else it is, um, it's not valid. And so wouldn't you as the employer or as the office manager, right? That, that is, you know, signing up these, these employed physicians, you, you want to have a contract that's enforceable. Right? right. So you don't, so that, that's like an easy one. You ha, you have to meet the state law requirements. Right. Um, if you're in another state, you want to know, is it a blue pin state? Blue pin state means the, the judge looks at the non-compete and says, you know, this is a little bit burdensome, but instead of going 25 miles, two years, I'm going to revise it to 15 miles, one year. That is, you know, kind of split the baby. Oh. Well, not every state is a blue pen state. Uh, some states, look, if it's if it's too burdensome and overly restrictive, then it's void. Okay. I can't change it. So, so you know, I've got some clients that are like, I'm going to go five years, 50 miles or five years, 100 miles. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, you know, I think that that's overly burdensome and it's probably not going to be enforceable. And if you put that in front of a judge, if it's not a blue pen state, it's going to be struck down. And good luck so, recruiting. <laughs> yeah, right. And good luck recruiting, right. Um, so you, so I think you really have, as you're talking about, okay, what am I trying to protect? But then also what's enforceable in my state and what is happening in my state um, so that if I need to at least enforce something, um, I've got good language in there. Because if you're not in a blue pen state, you want to have a contractual language in there that says, the judge has the right to revise to what he or she thinks is reasonable, right? right. Or an arbitrator, depending on, you know, if you have a, a dispute resolution clause. Right. So and those, blue, those blue, are blue important. Pen, blue pen means that it's in black and white and the blue pen goes and makes adjustments, adjustments to different clauses within that contract, right? That's right. That's right. Some states are not like that. They, they don't have a, a blue pen concept. Um, and if that language is not in the contract that allows them to do that, then it's, then it's void. Wow. Well, the last thing I want to, I want to just bring <laughs> up that I thought was really kind of amusing on this. And this is, it's funny because I look at this and like, this isn't an amusing topic, but it can be when people don't understand their acronyms. <laughs> so oh. I had somebody tell me, they're like, I don't have to deal with non-competes because all of our, um, NDAs <laughs> oh. are all solid. And I'm like, non-disclosure agreements that's not a non-compete <laughs> and they're that's like right. 
oh, <laughs> I'm like, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> that is different. Now it's a, t- <laughs> that's a great, that's a good story. Um, uh, so it, it is our type of restrictive covenant, right? It's yeah. a, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a non-disclosure. It's a confidential confidentiality agreement. Yeah, you can't sometimes tell secrets, it, right? Right. Sometimes it includes like a standstill or non-circumvention, depending on what you're doing, right. but it doesn't include a non-compete. So it's a type of restrictive covenant. They're in the ballpark, but yeah. Um, yeah. Understanding yeah, the acronym. Healthcare. <laughs> oh, it's helpful. I gotta throw that in there because every once in a while, let's let's just face it, life is a progressive commercial. <laughs> you, there you, you go. I some, love it. You see some of these things and you're like, you know, it it's gonna take them a minute. <laughs> it yeah. could be hard. <laughs> so we just have to make sure we still people in the right direction. And 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 for our listeners out there, we say this we love. We know that this this is tough. That's why we have at NICHBC, we have not only healthcare consultants, we have attorneys, CPAs, you name it that can help you out. And so um, I, I just really appreciate you being here with us today, Amanda, and kind of clearing up some of those those things and some of those questions on non-competes. Absolutely. It was fun. Okay, Thank great. Thank you for having me. To find and contact Amanda, you can go to the NSCHBC website at nschbc.org and click on Find a Consultant and type in her first name, Amanda, and her information will appear. Also, as a reminder, the nschbc.org website offers monthly free webinars on a variety of topics as well as quarterly Medicare regulatory updates. Please go to nschbc.org and click on the tab Upcoming Education. We have a variety of topics for 2024 that you don't want to miss. So that's it for us today, everyone. Make it a great day, a great rest of your month, and thank you for listening to the award-winning NSCHBC Edge podcast. I'm your host, Terry Fletcher. Thank you for listening to the NSCHBC Edge podcast. Join us on the second Tuesday of each month as our consultants tackle the complexities of navigating the business of medicine. You can reach us on the web at nschbc.org, the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants.